so I was trying to help one of my folks with something and it just it turned into this horrible tunnel ride from Willy Wonka you know <laughs> right are we talking the are we talking the uh, Gene Wilder oh that's the uh, there, there's only I... one Willy Wonka yeah <laughs> Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Tim Shorts joins me as we talk about his upcoming Crawlers of Scorn city campaign. We discuss his methods and ideas for setting up the city and populating with locations and interesting NPCs. We also talk about the difficulties of running city adventures as well as its merits. We record this late Friday night, so we do meander a bit. Once the discussion turned to Papian, we knew it was time to stop. Brothers and sisters, it's time to get rambling. Hello, Tim. Hey, Jeff. So are you ready to talk about urban crawling? Oh, you know I am. Yes. <laughs> the, the rumor is you've got a, a campaign coming up. I think it's um, uh, the city of Scone. <laughs> Scorn. see about Scones? Oh, I thought it was a bakery city. I, thought, I was You know what? That sounds excited. better. The city of Scones. I like that. I might yeah, have... everybody comes there, but everybody's disappointed. <laughs> It's in a far region. It's kind of calling it Greenland. Right. And everybody like flocks there to Greenland. They're like, where's the green? Where is it all? No, it's, 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 I'm sure it's under all this white. It's just, you know, just can't see it right now. Yeah, where are the scones at? Yeah, that's funny. Now, Ivy would probably play in that game. She was, yeah. That's funny. City of scones. Love it. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to be starting uh, – uh, a campaign as soon as I can get wrap my head around it, which I've been doing called the uh, Crawlers of Scorn. Uh, I'm hoping, I guess now by the beginning of May, and uh, I'll be sending out emails. I keep saying the weekends and the weekend goes by and, and, I, haven't, <laughs> and I haven't done it yet. So, so really, in theory, yeah, yeah, that's the way it's going to work out, right? So, so this is all fresh. This is we're talking about, you know, hot out of the oven, uh, ready to put butter on it, kind of stuff going on. It's percolating your head right now, well, right? You, you, Starting a getting that scone. A, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't intending this as a pun or carrying on that theme, but maybe we will. We'll, we'll talk about the, the right before you put the jam on it. Right. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so. So you've done. So the idea is, is you're going to do. It's going to be a city crawl, right? So, yeah, at least in the beginning. Um, so what's a city crawl? Well, I, so last, you know, everybody has dungeon crawls and mega dungeons and different things, and and I'm, and I've I've always played in city campaigns because with Rob Conley, you get to know the city-state of the Invincible Overlord intimately, if you play in his campaign as long as I have. And we've had entire campaigns where we never left the city wall. And especially in the OSR, it almost seems like a... I don't, I don't, I don't know how to... It seems like people are afraid to run urban campaigns. Like, it's too much. Well, I think part of it is, is it kind of... I mean... 
a dungeon's the easiest, well, I should say it's the easiest thing, but it's probably the easiest thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a dungeon. Your points are, are already defined. Your pathway's already defined. Right. You know, there's, and I think when you start dealing with cities, it's there's no longer that defined path and things become much more open-ended. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's interesting, too, that um, how many of those tools you can take from the from a, like a dungeon or a wilderness adventure and, and apply it to a uh, city adventure. I mean, there's definitely a lot of differences, but there's, there's, there's enough similarities where I think you have that good foundation um, that you could, you could uh, lean on doing it. I mean, I, I, unfortunately like your NPC roster is going to go up dramatically. Right. Uh, but that's just you just have to know that going in because you never because because like in a dungeon like you're saying you know you have corridors you have rooms you know random things happen but in general there there's there's not like an un, almost hundreds of options because when you're going down a corridor you basically can go left right up down whatever you know so got a handful of choices we're in a city when you're walking down the street you've got literally thousands of choices that you could do yeah, and I think part of the problem could be is like with dungeons. The problem is that there's the the, the perceived need of having it every every shop fleshed out and every right. every you know grocer detailed. Really, it only matters only once a person actually interacts with it. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have like a, a uh, your keystone locations kind of somewhat realized. Uh, yeah, but like your but your people could be these are these are three bankers, these are three shopkeepers, absolutely. these are three whatever, mm -hmm. and they you need just once they enter in, you could just say, "Yep, that's the one I'm going to use," and and here we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I when I when I run this the uh, urban campaigns like that, they the players definitely help me, and that's that's why I'm running this campaign actually is to help me flesh out scorn and help it realize and. That's how I do my, I don't have my world set up ahead of time that much. I mean, I have like the general big picture things maybe in place. And even those have a lot of uh, malleability, you know, to move around or whatever. But uh, the, for a city for the, like, like Joe's been adventuring in Scorn with his little gnome tinkerer. Uh, for for over a year now i mean we don't we haven't played that i think we probably maybe had like six or seven sessions through the year and he's a gnome but he's kind of a tinker or a, a thief by class but really he was more tinker than thief during my, our our run you know during that time and he actually had a job that he went through it's about as mundane of a campaign and like the least heroic type of campaign you could ever imagine but joe and i really enjoy that minutia and that weird uh, thing like he, he he created tinker and then we we ended he was collecting scrap and we kind of almost well we did we made like a little sub game of collecting scrap and i i made scrap into three different categories you know the the common the the, the uncommon and the rare different ones so when he wanted to make something i would just come up with his random formula <laughs> and that's what he would need to create whatever he wanted to do and it would kind of determine the value too so it was kind of fun so then it became a challenge of him going and scrapping stuff and trying to find stuff well there's other scrappers out there too that are making a living off of it so they're right. 
So he had like this weird little, what do you want a rivalry between this one guy who was getting to the scrap before him. So hmm. uh, just, just fun little subtle things like that. Didn't have to be a life or death situation. Right. It was just, I'm trying to get through the day kind of situation. I'm trying to get a little bit of extra. I will use this. I'm trying to get a little bit of more jam on my scone at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. kind of situation. That scone's kind of dry. We need some more jam. <laughs> right. yeah. So, okay. So, so the idea is I, I'm assuming, so is there first like a, a desire like, Hey, I want to run a city adventure. Is that what comes first? Or is, I mean, or is it you, uh, I mean, what leads you to say, I want to do a city adventure? And like, what's the first, you just say like, I want to flesh out a city. Are you saying like, I'm, I'm kind of would like to do a city adventure. I haven't done one for a long time. So like, what's the, what, what starts this whole thing? Well, it started like the way my campaign worked is I've been writing about this uh, area called the Comore Forest for probably like five, I don't know if it's been five years, but close to five years. And I've been fleshing it out and it's your typical point of light kind of thing you've got hound's head it's a very small location and then you kind of go out and explore from there and you explore the different parts of the dungeon or the the, the forest and find different uh it's just a dungeon without walls yeah it's okay yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> i mean you know joe will tell you that you know the flowers will kill you even so you gotta watch out for that uh but one of the interesting things while I ran, I've run three campaigns in that setting and in Houndshead, and I've got it very pretty well developed and fleshed out. But one of the things that I found is during that time, people always want to go back to Scorn. Scorn is like the closest city to it. They always wanted to go to Scorn and go shopping. You know, just, I don't know what it is about gamers, but yeah, they always want to go shopping a lot of times, especially, especially Joe. Joe's a shopping guy. And I didn't really have it fleshed out. I didn't really have it to, I didn't even have a map at the time because I, I figured people would just stay up in, in Houndshead, but that wasn't the case. And then, so they would go on these, I call them day trips into Scorn. And then it started getting, then, I, then, then things started appearing. Like I made a map and I made a shop and then I made some taverns. And then I, I had the uh, kind of the nobility structure, religious factions kind of generally worked out type thing and now all of a sudden scorn became uh, a living thing it wasn't just a name to the south of a city right and i and the reason why i'm doing this campaign is i want to breathe more life into it you know i've kind of got the skeleton right now but i want to start getting that connective tissue yeah and i think you know you're you know, doing that, I think it's kind of like whenever you do a setting, it does seem like that, um, you know, it is kind of when you have just one person working on it, 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 it can be um, maybe not as robust. Right. And what's interesting is uh, so like with Dungeon World, mm -hmm. when you play a game, one of the primary rules is, uh, is you play to see what happens. Absolutely. You don't have anything predefined. So it sounds kind of in some ways what you're doing is like, there's some things I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're going to find out Absolutely. together. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. be, and you're going to be surprised and I'm going to be surprised. So you get to be surprised as well. So there's no, you know, some things are defined out. So you're saying, I want this fleshed out, um, but I want it to be done in a, maybe in a more organic way. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
And the really nice thing about doing it this way too, Jeff, is uh, the players have a lot of agency in this and a lot of say in what gets developed by where they want to go, what they want to explore, what they want to do, because that's where the efforts are going to go. And what that does is it invests the players into the setting too. And then say, I want to run a, you know, so we go through a cool campaign. Hopefully it's cool. And uh, when I want to run a second time, now they already have their footprint in the campaign. They know what they've done and then they can come back and almost see it from a different point of view, from a different character now. And they can see how it's developed through like, either through play or maybe through some back play story going on. Uh, like through the first campaign, Joe played this dwarf who eventually ended up taking over the reins of uh, Houndshead. And I kind of had him write up a small summary of what he was going to do to develop Houndshead or what his plans were for it. Well, now, like when he gets in there, he's going to be able to see what actually happened and if, whether it worked, whether it didn't, but now he's got that almost historical, um, what do you want to call it? Relationship with the setting. Like he knows I did this. And, you know, when he sees uh, the, maybe the, the, the forest area where he had this big battle with his you know maybe it was a demon or something and and it's the 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 area still hasn't grown back when his character passes by there he's going to have a still a relationship with that area right you know and that's only going to make i found you know it only makes players invest themselves more into the campaign and, and then you get that layered effect yes of, of di different generations going through and it just feels like it's been lived in when you go through it you know it's not just a, a one-dimensional or very surface type of situation and and i have to give all the credit to rob conley for that that's i mean that's that's the way he runs his campaign and i just love the way as a player when i go into his campaigns or his settings i it feels lived in and you know it's just it's just a lot of fun to explore that so I guess the question too is, <clears throat> I think one of the potential, I don't want to say pitfall, I'll just put it in quotes, maybe it's not a pitfall, uh, but I think the idea is when somebody's in a city and it's kind of more of a sandbox, yeah. uh, people could just be have more interest in pursuing their own agendas. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and... and it, most of the groups that I've had so far, <laughs> they, they, you know, kind of work together towards, because sometimes they don't even know what their agenda is going to be, you know, it, right. it's, especially in a sandbox. It's, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think that's used a bit loosely because you really do want to have some sort of guiding thing going on, but you want to give the players a choice of what they're going to put their efforts into. But once they kind of get on that track, then it's definitely easier to uh, manipulate, to develop, or whatever. Right. Because the, the you can threaten things. Like, for instance, like somebody says, maybe maybe they're more interested in, in going and in, in building a business for their tavern than they are maybe going adventuring. And I, and I absolutely love that. I mean, that's, but, yeah, I do. 
But you could have some hoodlums show up and start creating problems, and then they need to, I guess, rally their yeah. friends to, to overcome it. Absolutely. And that is that is definitely what I, this campaign's all about. I mean, it, they can they can choose to just do mundane things if they want to. I mean, that's that, that's that option. I'm sure, like, with an adventuring party, there's going to be more involved or whatever. But I know for... I'll bring in Rob's campaign the one time. Our whole goal for our party, it started off one thing, but then it ended up us as wanting to build our own inn. And then that's basically what the focus of the campaign came in. And so basically our challenges and and uh, focus were, what can we do to get make this happen and all the things. And then when we finished our inn, we kind of retired our characters and said, okay, we're good. And I will, that, that seemed, you know, was a perfect place to, yeah complete it you know and it was and it was a lot of fun it was we yeah it was an time. arc yeah yep yeah it had a beginning and ending and then the nice thing is is like say two years down the line i have a different character who's adventuring through those i'm gonna find my find the inn i built you know yeah. and i'll have that connection to it even though you know this character might not but i'm gonna you're gonna not burn down an inn your character before built <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know there's less likely you have a lot more respect and a lot more uh um i don't know um appreciation for it in that case so do you know so for uh like for a city adventure i mean mm -hmm. do you, i i'm assuming do you like just have a preliminary like threat or adventure that they all do first and then you you see what goes on from there or do you already have a kind of a thought of a a maybe four or five sessions in these things are going to happen or what's how do you approach starting a city adventure well it's like any campaign i think you have to pick where you're gonna because I, I mean I'm basically i had one campaign where my first words were roll for initiative i didn't say anything else that was basically my first words out of my mouth you know so put them right what is that called in media res or something like that yes threw them right into it and it just depends on what my approach is for them. I mean, you could do the whole big overall threat type thing. I, I'm probably going to steer away from like the big overall threat in that way. And in, in this, yeah, one, because it gets a little overused. It does, and uh, and and it kind of takes away a little bit. I I I don't want there to be a common enemy yet. Okay. You know, you want, I guess they, they could have one, but it would be of their own choosing, not something I, you know, uh, threw at them kind of deal, but uh, have them explore the city and figure out what they like and what they don't like. And that's going to develop through play. Right. You want to bring Kingpin, the, the daredevil Kingpin <laughs> in towards the end of the, <laughs> yeah, of the season. Yeah. You'll, 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 you'll meet him maybe a few of his goons beforehand kind of thing and throw in, and then you got to throw in maybe a few people from the hand too, just to stir things up. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. so then, then you get choices of which goons you're going to focus on at which time. And, and then, uh, you know, maybe if you guys get too powerful, they'll, they'll combine forces and try to try to, curb stomp you guys or something like that <laughs> but yeah i mean you, it's, it's fun to do it that way because i i mean player characters have no trouble developing enemies yeah they they do a fine job on, that on their own yeah yeah I, I don't have to work very hard on that part of it so in general like how how much development do you put in as far as npcs and such beforehand 
like I have my there's going to be some places that are already established. Sometimes they're it's established because I created them on my own. And then there's a bunch that are established because through play and I have those kind of marked down, but here's what I do in the beginning of any session, Jeff, actually from uh, any, whether it's dungeon crawl or city thing, but for, especially for the city one, I'm definitely going to have to do this. I will always, before the session, I am going to have a list of names female, male, listed and stuff like that on a sheet of paper. And then so when you guys decide, I want to go find a milkmaid for some weird reason, I can look on my list, I have a name, and then I'll write milkmaid next to it. So I have a record of that name with who's there. And then um, depending how much you guys invest in this milkmaid, and we're going, we're still going with the scones, because I'm saying that milk with scones kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, a little cream, yeah. Little cream. Be all right. <laughs> yeah. Then I might develop her into a full-blown NPCs. In which case, and here, here's the real, uh, I guess I don't know if it's secret or thing I want to do this time, Jeff. Is I'm horrible at keeping records for for games. I'm just I suck. I always think I'm going to do it, and I know I, maybe the first session I have great detailed notes, and then the next one I'm just like, uh, uh. But I have a website, um, or just it's just Blogger with uh, crawlers of scorn on it, and on yeah. that it, I'm going to do session recaps, and then like say we have milkmaid Linda, and then she becomes an NPC. You'll be able to click her name, and it's going to take you to a Google Doc, and on that Google Doc it's going to have maybe a picture of her, maybe be a little history of her. And then it's going to have the date like game dates that you guys actually uh, interacted with her and what went on. So that way, when you go, Hey, what was the name of that milkmaid? What would we do with her? You can just click it and it'll just be a document there that you can kind of catch up on. That's what I'm hoping to do. <laughs> so are, are any of your players uh, note taker type people? Joe, Joe's, Joe's a big note taker. Take well, then why don't you just have them take the notes and you just give them an extra 100 XP every session? Yeah, I well, that probably will happen, but I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to be able to do these write ups um, for because Joe takes notes about treasure and, and different things like that. I want him to be able to focus on the game too and not focus on <laughs> no, no taking too much in that. But I, I'll tell you what, if you ever want to know what treasure was found where and when the, you guys found it, Joe will have it listed. And and uh, yeah, he yeah, he's definitely a, a a power gamer with that kind of stuff. He still bring he just it's funny, you know, he's a you know, 50 year old guy, but he still plays like he's in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but he makes it fun. He's he's a and he's a what do you call it a, a scrounger for stuff. He'll he'll always ask for extra stuff as a player. You know well, what? Well, you know this happened, so maybe I could have done this. And he's always looking for just, just that little extra that extra copper piece or that little extra bonus. <laughs> or it's so funny when he does it. Yeah, because yeah, now we're in Rob's campaign together, and he still does it, and I just laugh every time he he, he does it to Rob. So, as far as like uh, factions, mm -hmm. uh, like what do you do about factions that are potential threats or even uh, between each other creating conflicts? So, what what sort of things do you normally put in a city campaign? In a city campaign, okay. So for this one, uh, the big 
I don't, I don't want to call him the big bad, but he kind of is the big bad sort of, depending on what your point of view you're going to play during the thing is the, the there's a, there's a, the seat of power of Baron Mowbray is in scorn. And he's kind of the local nobility who rules the area. And he's, you know, he's not a very, he, he's not a, what do you call it? Person of the people kind of guy, you know, he, but he's very yeah. good at doing stuff. Like he, he's very good at organizing things. And, and a lot of that has to do with the religious aspect of it too, because that's intertwined with this too. In Scorn, there's, there's, you're going to have three major temples into it. The, there's the rival temples of Deliquine and Seraph. Uh, both of them are like kind of war gods. One's Deliquine's like a war goddess, but she's more of a person who believes in individual, uh, uh, individual thought and being the uh, solution to your own problems and. You know, she wants you to be the best person you are, warrior-wise and person-wise. Where Seraph is thinking more like it's more of a militant type thing. You know, you you have organization, you have discipline, you have structure, and you have follow things in a certain right. way. Uh, and even though there's this uh, rivalry between those two th uh, things, they actually there's a lot of times when you know when we were talking about the greater evil coming out they may have to join forces even though they absolutely hate it so when there's no greater forces they can get back to squabbling it's 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 kind of like europe right <laughs> you know? so so how do you so when you have like the, these inter uh faith we'll say uh mm -hmm. squabblings how does that how does that normally play out like as far as what the characters see like this character okay let me give you an example so joe with his tinker during his first session his and, and this is just all nothing was set up it's just kind of the way the the adventure developed he was, he was he's in the diggers guild so basically his job is to to dig holes and remove or make sure the sewer must flow <laughs> so so he takes that well one of his buddies that he's friends with in the diggers guild well they went to this bar afterwards and this this guy that I kind of developed, his name's Carl. He's just basically your, you know, your dumb friend who gets drunk all the time and does goofy and dumb stuff, you know. Well, Carl drank too much and he ended up puking on these boots of this thing called uh, this group called the Spears of Sarath. And they're basically the goons of Sarath, as we were talking about, little goons. So they're basically they are the the street level version of the church they go around and they're the intimidators they're the they the, like so so the church of Sarath gets these guys from uh maybe sometimes the military sometimes a prison and basically they pay off fines or pay for their stuff and they're basically servitude towards Sarath during that time and they get trained and they get armed they get fed so in a way it works out for them because they they're kind of were bully boys to begin with. So now they're just becoming an organized version of a bully boy squad. Well, so this, you know, poor Carl get, you know, he, he drank too much ale yaks on this spear of Sarah's boot. Well, next thing they know, they're beating the shit out of Carl yeah. and everything. And then, <clears throat> but, what, but uh, Joe's character is just not in any way, shape or form. He's, you know, like I said, he's a, a digger and he has a, I mean, his weapon is a freaking shovel that he made. So he doesn't have a, he's not right. built for combat, especially with a group of organized, uh, 
kind of military guys, religious military guys. And what ended up happening is it got litigious. So then they brought in the Diggers Guild lawyer to be of what happened. And basically they went after the church litigiously through this thing. And okay. even though it's not probably the most exciting thing, I, I try to make it at least that it's interesting. And well, I think Joe would enjoy that, right? He's like, this yeah. is perfect. Right. Yeah. You, you played in my hands, Tim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my plan worked. But it, I, I really, because the difference in the, the, I really try to get the players to realize is you just can't draw your sword all the time and just start hacking and killing because there's a right. in the middle of a city there's going to be some sort of consequence there's consequences yeah. yeah so they do have to and, and then plus i mean joe was obviously outmatched anyways there's nothing he couldn't do but but there's ways to do things and i mean you really have to have a mature kind of gaming group to really be able to do this and not just to always yeah. end up in a brawl and burning down every tavern you get into because that's fun and a lot i mean i i know when i was a kid i mean that was my one character he he had a what did he call it i had a tavern belt i called it a tavern belt and every time i burned down a tavern i put a notch in my tavern belt <laughs> because <laughs> i thought that was fun you know so uh so yeah, so you know, you try to get into more. At least I try to develop more intricate, more things beyond kill the kill the creature, take his treasure, and then go buy better stuff. Kind of situations. I try to build so, relationships with groups and individuals and things. So, like uh, Freeport, they kind of. Um they kind of have like a snake people occult thing going on in the background. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like the, I can't remember servants of Yig or I can't remember what the name was from Cthulhu. Yeah. I think you're, yeah. but are you, do you plan to have any underlying horrific ancient blah, blah, blahs in there? Or is that something that's maybe, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I am, I can't go into too much of course, but I, I think to have a fantasy game without something like that, I don't know if, because I have a series of gods and then you have layers of gods because you got the gods that are now, and then I guess you want to call them the old gods or whatever that are there too still. Because um, I have, I think it's seven death gods. There's, there's seven different death gods for different aspects of death that I have. And uh, one of them, like you were talking about the Cthulhu I have this god called Kasuth and he's basically this horrific uh he, he's he, his uh worship of course has been banned but he's he's a very gelatinous kind of god it's very gooey <laughs> when yeah. he gets involved you know I I don't know if there's many tentacles but there's a lot of goo uh, kind of thing and you know, if you run into like the cults that you were talking about, I love putting in little cults here and there, but I, I like to make cults a little bit more integrated in a way, instead of just sort of, uh, you know, rednecks in the woods, like, you know, surrounding a toilet or something like that, worshiping yeah. it or whatever. Um, do you know much about like the the thuggies, the whole uh, Kali worship of the thuggies and stuff? 
No, I think the okay. Don't laugh, but I think my only experience with it may have been in a Batman comic book. Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, you're, you're probably not right. Yeah, I think. And I remember there's a theme as a Neil Adams, and there's a statue of of Kali. Oh, she really? Was ready to, to to pierce through the chest of Batman. Oh, <laughs> did they did they wait too long and Batman got away at the last? Time? I don't remember. I don't remember much other than I just I <laughs> I, I had it when I was young, and I absolutely love those Neil Adam covers. Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. Batman versus Kali. But but Kali back in the day had these guys. It, that's where Thug comes from. It's they, yeah. they, her followers were co- called Thuggies, which in um I think it's Sanskrit or whatever the language Hindu or whatever means deceivers. So what they were doing is they would travel along with people. They were they would just like pretend they're traveling somewhere. And then at night, they would basically they would get out their garrotes and strangle these people to death. And kill them but these but the people that were killing them were actually legit businessmen they were people who, who came from good families good businesses but they would do this and then there would always be a guy one of their guys would run in front of them or kind of like get like a half a day ahead of them and dig the graves ahead of time and then that way when they killed him they could immediately put him in these graves and take him and then so so a guy comes up it's like huh look at that look at that that little pit there, a ditch. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, why, why, why is, why is it, you know, why is it perfectly square or rectangular? That's weird. exactly my height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and they, and then that's how they 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 kept their their cult going. Is what they would do is they would kill the families, the parents, but then they would take the kids on and adopt the kids and then raise them as their own. Now they then they had their rules too. They like they wouldn't they wouldn't kill priests of other religions, and I can't remember if it was women. They wouldn't kill women or something like that, or 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 certain. There was another. Well, it's great when they have like a, a moral code. Well, it is. It's I love that because it makes it creepier. I think. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they, these guys have a, a moral compass. It's so jacked up that you don't really understand it, but yeah, it makes it interesting. And then after they would complete one of their ceremonies, they would take this. Uh, I think I can't remember. I want to say it's a coconut or something. They would take some sort of fruit and then they would lace it with basically acid and have these hallucinogenic parties. And and then and then after they did their traveling, they would go back to their businesses and be perfectly good businessmen and people in the community. And, you know, one of those guys that it that their neighbors would say oh he was a very nice quiet guy he never caused any trouble whatsoever i didn't know he was killing people kind of thing but yeah it just makes it interesting and then you know you if you find this guy you start learning about that that maybe you're finding hints about that religion or that cult and then you run into a guy who's got like three kids and they all don't match you know (laughs) it's like where you know they then like you know you start putting the pieces together and that's kind of like the way I like to do my cults, not just kind of like, you know. Yeah. I think most time the cults, a lot of times they don't necessarily even make sense. Yeah. Like, you're like, okay, like, why are you doing this? Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't run into the, the uh, situation where you have a, cause your villain has to be almost more interesting than the heroes. I think. 
um, in a lot of ways to to make a really good. I mean, just look at the Marvel movies. I mean, or or the DC movies when they got just some guy who's just trying to take over the world or beat the world up for no obvious reason, just other than to do it. It's kind of a snooze fest. It's sort of like okay, you got a big bad guy who's trying to kill everybody. What are you gonna do if you win? <laughs> you know, all right now you gotta but at least like like with thanos he sort of had some jacked up philosophy that he you know or moral code again that he he was trying to follow so it yeah made even, it didn't, even if that still didn't make sense it's, no it did not make sense either <laughs> but it was an he was interesting enough though that we're it, we're okay with it like i always tell ivy when she when we're sitting there watching a movie and she's like she's questioning something that you know doesn't make sense i just say don't poke at it too hard or it just falls apart <laughs> right yeah. yeah i mean that's that's you know i think we're, we're all kind of that way to a certain point where you know any sort of fiction well, i say fiction but especially science fiction or fantasy there's there's some things just given that you just don't yeah. you know you don't want to you don't want to push the force is just the force right yeah. the lightsaber just shoots this thing out three feet it's okay. just cool it doesn't need to be in you don't don't <laughs> explain it to me i'm already in love with it because if you start explaining it to me you're gonna make it boring sometimes you yeah. just gotta let things be cool you know it's kind of it's like the tracy chapman song yeah give me one reason to be here yeah. i'll walk out the door <laughs> right right oh wow you're bringing out some bold stuff there wow yeah, yeah. um yeah I, I i think and as you're talking about like the different fashions, I, they develop. I mean, as I'm writing stuff, I'm I'm a natural damned if you do, damned if you don't situation maker kind of guy. Anyways, I'm pretty good at doing that kind of thing. And so when I'm developing these factions, it's very easy to see them come to life on their own. But the other thing I also add though is that third religion that I was talking about that was in there. So you had Seraph and then you had the yeah. other point, but there's also this uh, God in there is called Possimius. And he's, he's a, he's a, he pictures as a possum. He's the God of nocturnal creatures about as, what do you want to call it? As uh, passive as you can possibly get kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he's, he, and so, and I, actually it's in the petty gods. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the petty gods collection, Jeff, it's a fantastic mm. book that Richard LeBanc put together with all these people from the OSR. And uh, it's just filled with gods and then, uh, and they're, but they're called petty gods. So they're not like the God of war. They're more like the God of broken feet and the God of, you know, wells and the God of nocturnal, just very kind of very low level God kind yeah. of God. And it, and it is, it's fantastic. So many people contributed to it. And that was my contribution was Possimius. And what his thing is, is he is a prepper basically. He, the, so each temple, has a secret area where he's where the priests or what I call Parsons who follow, they collect things that people will need when the shit goes down or the, like if there's something bad that happens and you know the zombie horde unleashes, they have supplies to help people out. But they they continue to do that while there's good times. But they don't. They're not in a. What do you so is this Chekhov's gun? What's that? Is this Chekhov's gun? Is this gun? Chekhov's gun? Is, is, <laughs> is, it gonna, is there an apocalypse? No, there will be no zombie apocalypse. I, well, I then, then, then that's sad, though. <laughs> then he's just eluded. Uh, well, no, but it doesn't have to be an apocalypse for them to come out. Like, I ran a quick adventure, a two-adventure shot, where 
it wasn't apocalypse but uh plague demons got released in the city so it was sort of like you know you're you're you've got these uh i think it was i had four demons going around and so you basically had a I don't know, lightning plague going around because of these things. So people are dying and coming out everywhere. So the, 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 um, what do you want to call it? The, uh, temple of Posimius, the players kind of knew about it. They had some knowledge and they were friends with the parson there. And he had stockpiled a small amount of cure disease scrolls and cure disease potions there too, on top of, just having rations and water and different things like that. So they could at least use some of that. So if they got there, cause he, the, the person knew these guys were trying to stop it. So he wanted to give them the tools to be able, if they got infected, they would be able to at least maybe. Yeah. They're like the right cross. <laughs> In a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's not, you know, so I like having those in there too, because they're not going to, it's not going to be a church that's trying to dominate you or convert you or they're just there to help and they, they're not going to get in your face or threaten you if you don't, you know, kind of thing. Um, I just think it's important to have those everyday kind of, uh, um, powers or factions in there too like because they're not looking for power so to speak but they're their own weird little faction on their own even though they're not vying for any power anywhere they're just trying to help folks so they establish a place and then they go from there so they know something bad's going to happen eventually yeah not necessarily the big bad the ultimate bad but just a bad yeah yeah exactly yeah and they'll mobilize well, yeah, they were, yeah, they try to, they, so like during that time, like they, they get friends because of what they do. They're automatically going to accumulate, maybe not followers, but they're going to accumulate people who understand their cause and appreciate what they're doing. Patrons yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And they help them out. And then, so they're, they're, uh, cause most of the, most of those temples only have, uh, one person in like two or three acolytes. So it's not like they have a lot of um people in any one location but they just have a lot of uh canned food drives pretty much yeah well what the because they, they do a lot of healing and like where where Serath and deliquane might require you to at least be a, a a faithful to them or maybe require some sort of money thing what they require is basically you know if you if you if you want healed you know you gotta bring in you know, two canned goods or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So they, they, they're more of a, a street level kind of, kind of uh, entity where the other two are just trying to stay equal with one another and not get overpowered. So do they do like soup kitchens too? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they kind of do that. They feed the poor, they do that kind of thing. And okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, uh, and they, they establish uh, orphanages too. I have, they have a, they have a couple of orphanages and this just came up in our last game. I had no idea this was going to happen, but it just, the way the adventure went, it was like, that makes complete sense. You know, I have this there and, right. and be able to connect it to it. It just, it just worked really nice. And it was a really nice touch to the adventure that I was running at the time. So some that the, the war deity, at least the big one likes to make orphans. Right. <laughs> this one likes to take care of orphans. Right. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you know, cause I run my, 
my city's kind of gritty anyway. So, you know, you've always got a group of street kids. You got to have it. That's sort of like, you know, standard fodder for street, kids, street gangs and kind of things type deal. So, but uh, yeah, they do, they do have some, some helpful stuff up there. Cause I know back in the day, it was always just, it was too much black and white. And I like to have a lot of gray area for, for people to explore. Right. Well, and I think the thing is, it's like, I th- I, right. Cause I think the, the thing is, is, is sometimes it's, it's, or at least there should be costs. Like mm-hmm. maybe one's the right decision, but that right decision is going to cost you. Oh, absolutely. And I love putting players in that situation. Yeah. Drives Joe nuts. Yeah. Yeah. He always, he's like, every time I get something, I always end up, <laughs> he's like, I, I, I get what I finally want. And, but it's not what I expected it to be <laughs> or it didn't work it sounds, out sounds, exactly the way he thought. Yeah. yeah. It kind of sounds like a U2 song almost there. Right. <laughs> Still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for example, just for example, he just, his characters had been scrounging for money and money and money, but he just happened to, I don't, what do you call it? I don't level stuff if you end up doing something and getting in a situation, say your first level, like he was, and he ended up finding this one weird place just out of chance, he ended up getting a bar of mithril just, just by per chance. And then, you know, how many, you know, you're not in the first level. So he's got this like ultimately like valuable thing and it terrified him. He didn't know what to do. He was afraid to walk around the city. He started like his, his character hid <laughs> because he thought someone was going to come take his mithril bar now. And so he, does he still have it? Uh, no. Okay, I got I got oh, too bad because I got an idea. <laughs> no, he there's a rumor. There's a rumor. <laughs> that there's start a scrounger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it was just so funny for like an entire, almost an entire uh, uh, session. He just became so paranoid on what to do with this, you know, because he wanted money so he could do stuff. Now he has this thing, but he, it's like too much money all of a sudden that he it's too he doesn't like i can't just take this on the street and sell it i just can't i don't have the equipment to melt it down and make it into anything you know he and he didn't you know and he's just this little digger guy and they're just going to ask him where did you get this how did you get this you know right you know so he uh is that for me do you want more no Oh, sorry. <laughs> thought I was getting more. <laughs> thought I was getting a scone. Oh, sorry. Those scones. Yeah, that's our theme for tonight. Oh, scones! I should. I would have baked. Oh, see, I told you. Told you. If it would have been the city of scones, Ivy would have been playing. Should have made scones every day. Well, heck, maybe yeah, that's everybody like, be upset, but you, you'd be happy. Everybody else be jealous. Right? I just eat in front of you guys too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's you guys. It's amazing how much flavor is packed in these scones. <laughs> yeah. I just can't stop eating them. They're so good. So I got a question for you too, Jeff. And like, um, have you ever played in a, um, whether it's, whether it was fantasy or science fiction or post-apocalyptic, have you ever been in a urban crawl kind of campaign? Oh, have I ever played in an urban or crawl run campaign? Or yourself, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We I did a Blades in the Dark kind of mm. hack, which is, um, and that one allows for a lot more latitude for craziness because it's a pretty bizarre setting and the mechanics allow for things to get kind of wild sure yeah and also what's nice about it is there's just things 
So there's a lot of things in there that's stated, but there's not everything that's defined. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I have, I think I have a copy or a PDF copy of the blade. In the oh my yeah. goodness. You ought to look that over, um, before, uh, before we start, you might get some. Right. Ideas. And that's, that was the other day, you know, some of the stuff, I think one of the most important things too, in an urban kind of setting too, in a lot of, I think it's more important in an urban setting than it is actually in a dungeon or, um, wilderness crawl is having a very good random table event generator thing set aside uh, because there's going to be a lot of opportunities to have that happen and things to happen or whatever and I, I just find I think I think I use the random table more in urban settings than I actually do anywhere else by far and a lot of times what I'll do with that is I, you know, I'll, I'll usually do a kind of a, an extensive list because I want to have it vary or I'll break it up into different lists. And then I'll roll on one and then I'll maybe roll on the other table and then see how they interact. And then that just kind of gives me the spark of a random yeah. table or a random idea kind of thing. And, uh, and, and I think that's a, a, a good tool to have when you're running that. Because not all the time when you're, because I mean, when you're running in a, you're, you're going to have a lot of non-adventuring time compared to maybe in your dungeon. I mean, like I said, this this campaign is going to be starting out within the urban or the city of Scorn. But whether you guys take it outside, maybe you want to explore something outside or do something, you know, that that's always an option too. You're not going to have to, you know, stay within the city city walls. Uh, but, uh, like when you're out doing an adventure crawl, you're, you're basically, or, or, or wilderness crawl, you're always adventuring at that point where sometimes in the, in the city part, you're kind of, you're almost like resource gathering quite a bit, whether it's information, whether it's equipment, maybe it's, uh, you know, just trying to find ways to get gold to get where you want to go next or whatever. So yeah the, the nice thing about well what's happens with blades is your your crew that does jobs and you kind of choose what sort of crew you are mm -hmm. so that kind of defines the kind of uh jobs you're going to take okay and well doesn't i mean strictly... as, as blades of the dark so it's already assuming that you guys are just basically this organized crime kind of group right Yep, just starting out, and you're in this hole somewhere. You have your own layer to start with. Oh, they even you give you a upgrades. layer to start with. That's oh yeah, <laughs> no, it's you. You got property, and you can expand out your territory. Oh, nice. Okay. Get and uh, there's other, and everything you do is either your every job you take, you're going to create a, some sort of negative result with another faction. Right. Okay. And every faction, there are no good people. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily everybody's evil, but but nobody's clean in that game. The cops aren't clean. Nobody's clean. Right. And so the idea is you you you're not doing bad things to good people. That's 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 what they took away, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, it could probably bring some of those elements into it because I know uh, that's a very what do you want to call pigeonhole kind of situation and everything. It but, is. Uh, you know, definitely probably could mind. I'll have to check that out too. Yeah. Um, well, I think the cruise sheet's kind of neat. And the idea is that if you like, let's say you line up some factions mm -hmm. and just say, you know what, here's 
three or four factions. These you're friendly with. These you're not friendly with. Right. And these can they, you can become more friendly or less friendly as you go along. Mm-hmm. And then as you get more friendly, maybe you get some favors. Right. I mean, that's that, that's going to happen in our game too, Jeff. I mean, it really is. Yeah. That's the way I. It, you're going to uh, find that there's going to be different groups. That, the same situation. I mean, it's going to be hard. Like you're going to be dealing with so many different groups of people. Some you're going to bump into that you're not yeah. going to like, and of course, you're going to hopefully find a few that you don't piss off that will help you out, and right and whatnot. So, uh, so as a player, Jeff, I always like to ask this question: What do you look for when you are? Because I, I like to do kind of more extended campaigns, running campaigns for a while, and kind of have things develop out. What do you like as a player? What do I like as a player? I think the idea is I think I enjoy characters that have um, characters with a little bit different slant, I guess, in being able to interact more with the world. I'm not, I, I really don't, I don't want to say I don't care about XP or money, but I really don't care about XP or money. Right. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you say, that comes as a, what do you want to call it, a side effect of the other stuff that's going on. Right. I mean, it, probably my perfect game would be maybe, you know, somebody every once in a while say, okay, you guys just level up. Okay, we level up. It's, it's fine. Okay. Never a, but, you know, if I'm in a game, which this 5e game, which we're, we're, we're stopping, but it's like, no, I want to level up because the whole job is chopping on things. So it's like, I need to be able to have more X hit points. I need to have you know, what action surge, whatever it is. So, but in general, no, I, I actually prefer more of interesting characters being able to do fun things with the city. Yeah. Good. Then you're going to, you'll probably like so, this then. Yeah. Know. So like the, the character I had in mind mm-hmm. is. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. What, it, what are you going to play, a, Jeff? So it's a scrapped character from the uh, uh, Baldur's Gate descent into Avernus. So, so I rolled up a character using the roll 20 and you only get to use the basic fifth edition. Okay. And so I made him a thief mm-hmm. and the only choice was, um, for background was acolyte. Okay. So the idea is, and then, um, I was originally going to do a tabaxi. I never played non-human. I was going to do a tabaxi. What's a tabaxi then, again for my, my, it's know. a cat people. Oh, okay. Okay. But there was no option in there because it's you only have the basic SRD stuff in that character maker for roll twenty. Gotcha. So I made him. Uh, so what I decided was he was a thief. He's got thiefy abilities, but he's actually a a um, a lay cleric. Okay. Yeah. Who is there to do good things? But he's just really good at thiefy things. Mm-hmm. And his name was Brother Tabaxi. Love it. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, his his whole goal is, and you know, thinking about the 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 possum god, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that would line up. Where it's like not a major deity, not in it. But he, if he needs to shiv somebody, he will shiv somebody. <laughs> right. He really doesn't want to. Right. He doesn't seek it out. You know, he's not there to to pick pockets or things. But if he needs to do stuff to 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 take care of business, he'll take care of business. Yeah. Things get. Things uh, get thrown down. He's not going to back away, huh? Yeah, kind of like Daredevil, I guess, in a way too. It's like you know what? He's not there, but you know, he's kind of there for the common people. But he's also not afraid to. Bit of a vigilante then too. 
Yeah, not necessarily that's the focus, but if that needs to be, yeah. If someone's messing with your common people, you're going to yeah, exactly. well, crack it's some like, skulls, huh? Well, the, you know, the, the first guy, you know, we, we meet, getting beat up by the by the police. Uh, we start out with Avernus. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of, you know, so I talked to the cop using my priestly vestments to try and, and um, thought maybe I could get this guy to be kind of on our side. The guy's getting beat up and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the guy didn't matter. <laughs> nobody matters in that module. Yeah, I that is the, <laughs> that. Nobody, nobody matters. <laughs> but it's like you know, it's kind of cool. Get a con. This is this is the thing. This guy could have been you know Joe the the cobbler, mm-hmm. but maybe he's got an alcohol problem. But you know what? I've got a friend with this you know with this guy, and maybe that that friendship would be useful later on, or Absolutely. that would be for you a contact to bring something our way as well. Absolutely. And those are beautiful opportunities to, to really develop. I mean, I, I mean, I love those kind of things. And uh, that's why, like when, I, when I'm I'll, I'll, on my end of it, Jeff, like when I'm running adventures, I may have like some points that'll happen. I'm more of a, when I, even though I write a whole bunch of adventures, I never run an adventure straight. I don't even run my own adventure straight. I have like, points of interest that may happen or, or points of action that may happen. Some will happen because there's some things that may happen that uh, are beyond what the scope of what you guys are doing anyways, or, or like maybe uh, another noble rides into scorn and there'll be this big procession coming in. doesn't matter what your actions is. That's going to happen, you know, kind right. of thing, but it'll be a point of interest that may take on a different element later on, or you guys may just be like, I don't give a crap, you know, about it or whatever, but it's life happening in the city, whether you're interacting with it or not. Yeah. Right. Because there's like, like in Blades of Dark, they were supposed to do this uh, heist in this mansion, Mm -hmm. but, but this group was doing a boxing exhibition. (laughs) And so couple of characters got involved in that mm-hmm. and one of the the persons their rival was there oh, and gosh, so they had a great. rival so everybody has a, a friend and a rival basically okay. and so then that became a thing those two fighting it off a little grudge while match, huh? everybody else is going to the house <laughs> to, to to do the to do the heist they were there uh, you know one person's coaching them and and, and trying to motivate them and uh, through this fight and mm-hmm. uh and so um and so these two rivals were, were facing off for money. It okay. was just kind of fun. So yeah, yeah like those types of things are, yeah. So you're right. You do a thing now that the boxing had just made, just been set dressing. Right. But all of a sudden this person's a pugilist. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm in. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting involved in this. I'm kind of good at this. I want to, I want to. And climbing, in. climbing, not so much, yeah. but hitting people. I do that well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, and it, it's it's those little things I think people remember the best of a campaign. Uh, like when you're low level and you're grinding it out and just getting these little victories like like that or these little side adventures. I think those are some of what what people remember the best. And then you know as you as you build up and like maybe you take on more powerful enemies. I mean, it, it still can be very memorable, but I, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that, uh, I don't know, intimate uh, event like it does when you start getting into 
grandiose kind of things. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to, it's like, you know, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy, you know, Avengers movies as much as the next person, mm-hmm. but I much, I probably actually prefer the, the Netflix street level superheroes m- more in concept. May not always enjoyed the shows more, right? but I'm much more of a fan of just more normal stakes. The city's at stake or whatever, right. not, you know, we got to save fate. We got to save the world. Now we got to save the universe. Now we got to save, you know, the entire dimension. Time it's just like, and everything. Yeah, now, yeah. It's like, it's yeah, it starts kind of yeah, getting so big. It, and then you get so many people involved. And yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I think some of the, the, the street level adventure folks are the best ones. Um, like, there's a reason why I think Batman's probably one of the more popular ones because he doesn't have a superpower. He's just a guy that has rich and a lot of, you know, funny gadgets and a cool car. Right. You know, he's not Superman who can just blow through. What's that? He's got some anger issues. He's got some anger issues, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and he's, you know, he's got his own thing going on. You know, it seems like they they try to make him darker and more disturbed each iteration. I want to see a fun Batman. You want to see a fun Batman? I want to see a goofy, he just Batman, and we don't have to see the origin story. I'm tired of seeing the mom get shot and the dad get shot. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. You're right. Well, that that is true. Yeah. By another. Spider. Yeah, I don't need to see Peter Parker bit again. No, right. no I, I want, get that too. I'm kind of over those. I want things. to see. A, I want to see. You want choice. to see Batman? who's kind of like half in the bag, having a good time and like doing donuts with his Batmobile or something like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, how many people would remember? They would probably love that. I mean, you take you take a stereotype and you kind of turn it on its head, and it, it makes it a lot of fun. But he's not so clever and smart. He doesn't always get it right. You know, yeah, yeah, Batman. He's like, yeah, well, that, he's like, that, oh. well, that doesn't. Then Adam West no longer works. Adam West no longer works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He did up to this point. He did, yeah. yeah. But uh, well, I think the thing is, is that you know, you know, did did you watch the Netflix series of uh, of the superheroes like yeah, Daredevil? Yeah, I, I watched. I think I watched all of them. Um, so, like the normal people are much are are interesting and vital to the story. So the yeah. night nurse. You know, the right. common thread throughout, just an amazing character. Like, I, that's what I really liked about Jessica Jones. I mean, you know. I thought that'd be too close to work for you. But <laughs> it was just, it was just really, because she was, I think she was the very first series they started with, I think. she was. No, no. Yeah. No, Daredevil was the first one. Was it? All right. Yeah. I don't know. I think Jessica Jones was first. <laughs> but, um but I just thought it was really cool that, that, you know, she didn't have a big layer. She didn't have a bat bat cave. She didn't have the, what is it called? The, right. The castle isolation that Superman goes to every once in a while or whatever. She had an office that could get broken into. Right. Yeah. She, and it was never, their, their lock didn't even work half the time. It was broken. Yeah. And, you know, the only food she had in there was a, you know, a fifth of Jack Daniels. That was her food. Yeah. And, and, and she, and it was just, and then her dysfunctional relationship with her with her neighbors, and you know, just getting into fights and arguments with her neighbors and dealing with that crap. And then uh, yeah, you know, exactly. And it was right. Just she's a lot she's of fun. making terrible life decisions, <laughs> right. and you're seeing them play out in her normal life decisions too. Mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with my past, or I'm not dealing with my issues with my sister or my mother. 
you know mm-hmm. and and it, and it and it makes sense like when like superman or batman does it, it's like what are you bitching about you got all the money in the world and you can like you know fly around the world and laser beams out of your eyes stop complaining you whiny baby you got yeah. you got lots where she didn't have anything she no she literally was just she had her leather jacket and a uh, bottle of jack and that was it you know and trying to get through it and daredevil was good because of the 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 cast that he had around him the guy who played like foggy and the guy yeah the girl, uh, what was her name karen yeah karen. Or not karen uh hey that's a real name i remember yeah i can't i can't remember what her name is but just having that mundane kind of, I mean, but the nice thing about Daredevil too, he didn't like Jessica Jones, at least she had like, you know, she was super strong or whatever, where he could like what he could, he was, his hearing was like really good. Yeah. But I mean, super hearing, you know, on the, on the uh, scale of superpowers is kind of low down there. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to super hear you all the way back home. You <laughs> son of a bitch. Super I'm going to super hear you. Yeah, you can. Fear the ears. Yeah. Yeah. Like Don't let me get my ears out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's that, but it, it was interesting because, you know, he, he was in danger all the time because when he went out and beat up stuff, he's, he's not Superman. If you shot him, he bled. You know, yeah, he didn't. He didn't have. I mean, he kind of had like a shitty studio apartment as a layer, I guess. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't. He didn't have like secret. It didn't, it didn't get broken into as much as Jessica Jones. No, not, no, not as much. But it did there for a while. It seemed like every yeah. other thing there was somebody crawling around in there or whatever. But but I think where they failed was when they tried to combine them all and make them like a mini adventures. Did you? Because did you see the Defenders? Yeah, so disappointing. Yeah, they had Sigourney. They wasted a Sigourney Weaver. You don't waste a Sigourney (laughs) Weaver. And I think that's where I was kind of saying where, like, when you're doing this stuff, you got to make your villains more interesting a lot of times than the heroes. Yeah, Wilson Fisk was definitely interesting. Yeah. He he had a lot going on with him, and we got to explore him. Where Sigourney Weaver, I mean, you got Sigourney Weaver. What you use? You yeah, you got Ripley. She should be able to, you know, just be able to use her eyelashes and kick the shit out of all five of them, you know, kind of deal. You know, she should, you know, but she just was boring, and that's the last thing you want to do with a villain is make them boring. The yeah, yeah. I've, you've probably not seen the series Evil. Because I saw on Netflix. Yeah. I don't think you have Netflix. Well, I so, did. You know what? I think I did start watching that one. Oh my goodness! Because it's the one where it's like Supernatural, where you have the guy that played um, Luke Cage plays yes. a Catholic. Yeah, I did. Oh. I saw the the first probably first half of the season or something. Oh like that. Was that one? my goodness! Towards the end, it got oh, crazy. And yeah, it's if you can catch up, it's worth it. Uh, but but the villain there was amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay. And and but the thing was, you, you, I think there's times where you the villain just seemed so um, invulnerable. And there was a point where this woman stood up to him, and you could just see him change, and it like wrecked him. It shattered it, his. Uh... <laughs> 
You you just need to see. It. I don't right. want to ruin it for you, but putting back into counseling, it's it, it's it was crazy. It was crazy. Okay. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, and I like I did start watching it, but they never. I really like the uh, the actors that played in it too. I thought they did a a great job. Yes. I really like the 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 lady that yes. plays in it. I think she did a. She's the reason why I kept watching it. I mean, I liked. Uh, I can't think of his name. I know it's Luke. Cage. Right. Luke Cage. Luke we'll call him Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage. But he's a character actor. He's. I. I think he just. He's the type of person. He's in a scene you like him. Yeah. Yeah. But I just really found her. If it if it was focused on him, I'd have been less interested. I think because I really liked following her more than him. And but I did like him as a secondary character, kind of. Or I guess he's a second primary character, kind of uh, in this one, but. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll have to check that out because there's oh, there's so much stuff to watch, Jeff. There's so many. There things. is too many things. Yeah, there, there really are too is. many things. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, but uh, I I mean, for city wise and everything, as a player, I was I was going to ask you like how. How much depth do you like? How much intricacy do you like? I I only care about the stuff that's around me. Okay, but how much? Yeah, but the stuff's around you. But like you know, there's you know, there's like different layers of what could be around you. Like how far do you like that to go? I mean, as far as I know, I don't. I shouldn't say. I know the descent of Ernest just was just way too much info dumping yeah. about things I really didn't care about. Right. And I know that I have problems keeping track of too many things. Sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, that's, yeah. I get that. But if there's a list of people, like, you know what? Here's a list of people. This is some thoughts on different people and go from there. I'm, that's probably where I would be happy yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like, you know, Joe the dog catcher, the guy's a little suspicious. Um, you know, Bob the baker, he's a great guy. And, you know, you, you go there for bakery goods and da-da-da. And, and Sheriff Joe, um, you know, he's got someone on the side and he's da-da-da-da. Yeah, that's all good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's I, all- I always call it like three levels of discovery, the way, the way I kind of always picture it and everything. So, so you got Joe the dog catcher. On the first level, you got Joe the dog catcher. You know he's a dog catcher. Might be a nice guy. You know, I was like, okay, and everything. And then later on, you might find though that Joe the dog catcher is an alcoholic, you know. So you got that second level. So you get that second level of him, and you know where he drinks. He's over at the Gutters Tavern, and yeah. every time he has to put down a dog, he goes drinks or something like that. Yeah, you know, he's having a bad day of it. But then that third layer, when you really get, you find out why he started drinking. Because he's a cultist. <laughs> Right. Yeah. He's having problems reconciling, <laughs> murdering his family. <laughs> yeah. Just having those. So I kind of base off like, uh, you know, the levels of perception into those three layers when I do stuff. A lot. Of yeah. Times. And I think one of the f- fate, uh, they had ones where, you know, the idea is that there's aspects and then you can use certain abilities to try and peel away and find those aspects. Mm, okay. And then once you know those aspects, then you can leverage them. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess there's not too much difference in this. This one you just have to do through role playing. 
you know, finding Yeah, that. the other one is that there's mechanical advantages, but it still could be the same. So yeah. you may find out that, yeah, this person's doing such and such. It's like, oh, this person's a compassionate person with dogs. So therefore, you know, next time I deal with them, I'm going to, you know, take a dog with me. Or, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then and that, and that's, uh, yeah, a fun way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the campaign with everybody. Uh, I know once I get it started, I'm going to have a lot more work to do <laughs> for some things. But uh, uh, so I'll tell everybody out there, the way I'm running it right now is these guys will run, what, what 70s? So they'll roll 3D6, seven times, drop the lowest. It's a little faux pas for old school essentials, but I, I kind of want these guys to be, you know, have a chance of being competent because I know when I roll 3D6 straight down the line, I, you know, I've got someone who probably shouldn't even be breathing, let alone adventuring kind of most because my roles are so horrific. And that, and then I kind of develop a zine, a tiny zine based around a concept that they've given me. So that way, when like Jeff or anybody else gets into the uh, campaign, they have some running knowledge once they hit the ground. So they're not just going in blindly. And you're in the city of Scorn. You've lived there for two years, but yeah, you don't know where the local scone maker is. Well, like, well, I've been living here for two years. Why wouldn't <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. that? Come on now. I got, you know, I got, I got some jelly and I need a scone to get it. Don't get it on that kind of thing. But that way it gives you guys a grounding in the, the, the uh, campaign right away. Cause you'll already have maybe a friend or two, or, you know, you say you're talking about the, 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 uh, temple of Posimius, and you're interested in maybe being a patron to it well maybe you might already have a relationship with the parson there and yeah and then you'd you know go visit there and it'd be a friend and it would be almost like an ally or whatever yeah, it'd be like daredevil with father which is yeah, which yeah, exactly. um, and, and daredevil three yep yep exactly kind of i believe living in the basement yes yes yeah <laughs> Living with the basement with a with a nun that's your mother or something like that. <laughs> oh no! Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you haven't watched Daredevil right now, shame on you. Yeah, you deserve that. Yeah. So yeah, but it, it it should be fun. I mean, I I don't know if we'll do anything. We might have to do some maybe some session recaps with uh, some folks. So uh, what do you do with characters? Do you tie them? How do you tie characters together? I guess as far as that's always maybe narratively. the thing. I it, now this is where I've experimented in the past and failed badly because I, there I wanted to do a game where these where everybody started off in different places in this small little area, and how I thought how I thought I was going to bring them together is have this common enemy. I called them the what did I call them? The uh, skimmer pirates or something like that. They were basically these pirates that were like just on these mud flats and they would come by and steal stuff or whatever and have the party be in separate areas, but then they would come together to hopefully fight this common enemy. That did not work out at all. <laughs> uh so that experiment, because I wanted to try, you know, I didn't want to do the whole typical you guys meet in a bar or you guys knowing each other. I kind of wanted them to um, become a group organically a little bit. And that was, yeah. that was my mistake. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to state that I don't think in my history, that's, that doesn't work very well. And I They're don't not. think it's very effective. The other thing <laughs> you could do is, um, 
is like a session zero. Have you ever, I don't know if we ever talked about Smallville. I think you mentioned it one time. So yeah. they have a relationship map that you, you people collaboratively work, collaboratively work on. Yeah, that is tough. Oh. <laughs> and so you can put, a, yeah, you put events uh, in there, uh, NPCs, locations, and, uh, but that, the problem with that is it goes a little too far. Sure. Um, you know, but there's also uh, Dungeon World and several others, they do kind of a fill in the blank. Right. Mad Libs, where it'll have a sentence and then you put a character's name in there. Yeah, like I've, I, I've, been, I've seen that happen where they, and then they, how are you connected with this person or how do you know this person kind of yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean, we'll probably, I always do like a session zero or, or something along those lines. We can um, go. Yeah, we can do that. We can say, how does your character, you could just do like the, the arrows where everybody has two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you say, how do you know this person? Yeah, and then I think our group's only going to be four, maybe five people uh, anyway. So it, it wouldn't take too much to, to do. And especially in a, a city, it wouldn't be that very hard to to say, yeah, you know, you know, your guy works at the the local Parsons there and you've met him there when you were donating things and, or whatever. Or I went to jail for you and I didn't rat you out. <laughs> right, you owe me. There. Yeah. <laughs> you owe me. Yeah. Yeah. You can even work in those little uh, adversarial ones and that that's like uh, we did that for one campaign where my guy, we were both kind of like organized crime guys and I, and my friend was it basically it opened up with him getting hung and and that and so he got hung but the rope broke and then he fell through the floor and i was waiting down below oh and i said now you're mine <laughs> you owe me your life now and basically i leveraged that for so basically that that's how i accumulated my uh, uh power through the the organization even though i was a complete wimp like if somebody wanted to if i got in a fist fight i would have got my butt handed to me because i wasn't a fighter guy but i was a yeah i had position of power within the 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 organized crime people there but i was also an upstanding citizen who was in a seat of power in there so i had like lots of uh, of you know power in different areas so I was very protected. So like to attack me, you would end up, the situation would be very bad for you in one way or another. Yeah. So it's like you're in high school, you're a freshman, but your, your older brother's on the football team. He's a senior. Right, right, right. Yeah. And his buddies like you. Right. And if you mess with you, you got to mess with them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it worked and it was a, it was a really interesting way to go because the, I mean, of course the other player had to be mature enough to let that happen and kind of roll with it and play with it. Cause I mean, if that would have happened when you're in junior high, they're like, screw that. I'm right. kidding you. You don't know you know, anything. Kind of thing. Right. Right. But uh, it made an interesting dynamic and we, and we had fun role playing the differences. Cause I would tell him because as time went on, he became a little bit more independent, a little bit more powerful, more. And then we, then while we were still allies, there was a lot of tension between us because you know he was he was building his own power base now but it was still allied with me but i knew eventually it was going to break off but i just had to do it under my terms and not his terms and so it was it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, fun 
uh, role playing that. So while we were, you know, allied together to get stuff done, it was very fun because you, we still had that tension we had to contend with when we got back. You know, got right. And, and that's, you know, it's that we'll call it PVP that can, you know, when everybody's on the same on the same page, it is mm-hmm. a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was never afraid. It was it wasn't a matter. I don't think we were ever going to attack one another and do like just the full bloody. You know, no. it was just more taking a chunk of our power away from each other and trying to protect those protect those as much as possible and and working through like third party people to manipulate situations or or whatever because because uh just just as a side thing i he was a mage and i wanted the thieves guild to have a mage um group in there we wanted foggers we want more foggers and foggers are you know people can conceal where you're at conceal you know your so that nobody can trace you because we were playing GURPS, so it had a little bit more to, to okay do with that and so i had him start these fogger group developing and so i could use them to do these crimes and nobody could trace them and so we had this nice little power base of mages but i mean he got he got more powerful with it and there was very my influence over him started waning because he started uh doing but but because i had that secular power within the council uh i always had the above world because he was all over below world so all his powers were there well i had that but i also had the above world stuff so i that he could never touch he always was trying to figure a way in there and i protected that i wouldn't let him touch it you know i would use these other people to basically deflect what he was doing indirectly so right exactly you know yeah i don't know why that happened i have no idea how they found out about those plans <laughs> right my goodness yeah. somebody in your group must be have loose lips i don't know <laughs> so how would i know those those details yeah. i wouldn't know those details i'm too busy working why would i bother <laughs> yeah so but it made it, and that was that was an all urban campaign. That was all within city state. We never left the walls of city state, and it was such a fun campaign. I mean, it really was. And yeah, I've never done anything like city state at all. Nothing. I mean, the 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 bit that we did, like I've never. In fact, modern gaming for for me mm-hmm. usually never lasts more than eight sessions. Usually, somebody's just like, yeah, let's do something different. Oh yeah, I'm one of those guys. I like running the stuff for like a year or two. Yeah, I've never. I it's been. I don't know if I've ever done that. Most of my games just are my my games. I mean, our games. Yeah. It just and everybody's ready to do a different system, a yep. different game completely. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the game is. Yeah, I know. I I I, I kind of don't like that. <laughs> I mean, I I really like getting invested in a in a setting and then in, into a system and just kind of exploring it and tweaking it and just just living with it for a long time with a campaign um i mean i'll play other games though with with different systems yeah. and everything but for my campaign stuff i do like to have it because the last campaign i think it lasted uh one year you know, and, and then when it ended and it ended on a good like on a on a um what we were talking about a, a conclusionary kind of note it made sense you know it was a made sense to end it it is time. a satisfying ending yeah yeah where most of ours don't have a satisfying right. ending. there's it only probably been one ends. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably the Blades in the Dark was the closest mm-hmm. to, it actually was the best ending in that one person was dead and now a ghost. And another person thought to, to, to upsert power from this wizard and he lost. So he basically, um, his soul was sucked out and he kind of became an, <laughs> automaton that was given to one of the player characters as a servant and it was just like oh my goodness oh it's horrible yeah it was like her patron and he decided to take her on and he was over he could have done it potentially but he lost and and just this soul got sucked out did not end well for for him no no it sounds awful (laughs) oh that's funny yeah yeah i hope you enjoy jeff i think i think we'll have a lot of fun because like i said we've got um all the guys that we're going to be playing with are kind of uh, intellectuals. And I love having folks that are, have like these special areas of knowledge that they, that they do on their own, that they explore, that they read and, yeah. and whatnot. They, they push against the, the, the setting. Well, and I, yeah. And I like trying to work that kind of stuff in. Like if I know like one of my guys, he's a philosophy and religious, you know, he was going to be a priest. So I know if I layer some of that stuff in there, he's going to pick up on it. You know, he's going to, he's going to pick up on I, that stuff. Yeah. I had a friend that as long as you had a, a box mm-hmm. that you don't know what's in it, he would open well, it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter what it was, yeah. how dangerous he was opening that box. If there, if there was a lever to be pulled, he pulled the lever. If there was a button to be pushed. Well, if there was, if it was hidden, if it was hidden knowledge, so even playing Traveler, okay, uh, there was a kind of a wrecked X boat, uh, which those, are you, are you familiar with how how communications work in Traveler? Oh boy, not not anymore. I've, I've so so what they would do is it, everything is uh, so the speed of light's your limitation. Right. So they would do these these ships, and what they would do is they would. They would, um, uh, I say warp, they would uh, jump into a system, mm-hmm. they would transmit data, upload, then data would upload to them, and they would move on from system to system to system, which is kind of like uh, the, uh, I guess, be kind of like the post office. Okay. All right. But it's also all information is going through there. Well, if you were to break into a post office, that's a, you know, that's a federal crime. Right. I mean, he just, they found an X boat and he was taking that box. He was pulling that box out. <laughs> he like, had to know what was inside. Huh? Yeah. It's like, well, you never know. It just, it's that, that, that kind of guy. So, right. So you, when you know your players and those buttons, yes, absolutely. And, and, and you're like, okay, this is an easy one. Cause you don't even have to force them into a situation. You no, just say, you just know there's a box. Yeah. There's a box with these runes on it. Kind of weird. They must. They look like these runes are protecting something. Like assuming to try to keep something inside from coming out. Right. <laughs> I'm opening it. <laughs> Doesn't even let you finish the sentences. I'm opening it. I get my crowbar out. I'm opening it. Yeah. yeah Joe. Joe. Like I, I think I told the last time we got together about Joe. If there was a body on the floor, he was sure, he was going through every orifice to find every corn <laughs> coin to find it. Me, would oh, you say corn? Corn. <laughs> <laughs> you always find well, corn. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one rock grub kind of uh, broke his, uh, his habit of that. Yeah, it was just, it was just kind of. 
It is. I, I, I try to learn, you know, my, my players habits and knowledges and I, and I, I use that game because I just think it's a, like the one guy I used to game with, he was a, he's a French professor. So there was this one book and I uh, basically went back and found a French version of this one story and that's what he found. And I laced in some elements in the game into it and everything. And here he could, you know, so he could read the whole thing. Well, nobody else could. Yeah, but he could. And it, may, and it just it was just kind of fun watching them, you know, kind of decipher the whole book. Not that he had to decipher. He just well, what's kind of cool is if, if we had multilingual people in different languages, you could fake fake languages, right? Yeah. So French equals Elvin. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely can do, work out something like that. Yeah, but of course, with, with now with Google, that kind of ruins that. Yeah, you do have your translator. That's what uh, they started doing. They, they got their Google t- translator out, and it was fair. I mean, it wasn't too far off. I don't think it was pretty accurate from what I remember. They got at least they got the major gist of it. There might have been some subtleties missed, but for the most part, it, it did a pretty good job at doing it. But uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I think. Uh, uh, once we get uh, things established, and we'll do that session zero and kind of figure those things out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because you've never gamed with any of these guys. Nope. And um, I've gamed with Rob for since the '80s, and uh, then there's a couple like Ken and Josh. They're relatively eh, i'm probably over 10 years joe's my, my next newest one i mean i've only been gaming with joe for about about a year year and a half or something like that i know but joe's like i said joe's easy read and i know exactly what <laughs> joe's, joe's an easy one to to uh figure out what he what gets motivated by him in gaming and everything yeah this is there's a dead body Looks like the kind of guy that would hide money. Yes. He looks the kind of guy that's watched Papian and knows how to hide stuff. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If you need a cigarette, you'll know where to find it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh gosh. That's that's you know it's funny you use that that uh, example because that's what I think of too. It's that's that exact same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you're desperate enough, uh, the next best is the pocket watch from uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> uh. Well, I guess on that note. Yeah, that's a good place to end it. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a satisfying ending. Yeah. <laughs> I can't top that one. At least I'm not going to try to. I think we're going to fall into scatological uh, <laughs> moments here, so we'll just. And uh, thanks for joining me, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Jeff.